Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you for the next hour. Bring you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me and cold weather since last week. Uh, very, very heavy frost as I was driving down this evening. It took me about 45, 50 minutes. It normally takes about 30. So that shows you uh, how bad the fog is. So if you're out on the roads this evening, take your time because uh, visibility is very low. No major, major frost with us over the last few days. I know tonight is given very cold, so maybe tonight's the night where you put an infrared lamp up out in a shed over a pump or whatever the case may be, but uh, take a little bit of action. It is to be very cold tonight. We're coming to the end of it, though, with milder weather ahead next week. Now, the show this week, and with the Chinese Premier currently visiting Ireland, Pat O'Toole from the Farmer's Journal will join me in a moment to chat about the significance of this visit and also with the breaking news of Irish beef being allowed back into China. Later in the programme, I'll have an update. If you made a TAMS application last year, this has dragged on and on and on. And with a lot of farmers still left up in the air wondering what is going on, John Curran, the newly appointed Rural Development Chair from the IFA, joins me to give an update on what exactly is happening here. Chagas are holding the National Sheep Conference next week in Athlone. It is next Tuesday evening, 23rd of January. As I said, it's an evening event. There's one in Athlone, there's another one in Letterkenny two days later. Busy lineup of speakers, and Damien Costello is one of the men organising the event. He's going to chat to me a little later about what is on offer. Also, a speaker on the night is Tim Keady, who will give a paper on the importance of nutrition in advance of lambing. So stay tuned for that. Uh, he's also focuses on how the ingredients of the ration you're feeding is ever so important and how price is something that you should be cognizant of, but really it's all about the ingredients. And obviously, this time of the year, nutrition uh, can be taken for beef farmers, dairy farmers, sheep farmers ahead of the lambing season. So interesting chat there. Group of people wish to get Mount Rat Mart back up and running. It was very unfortunate that the Midlands venue that was known far and wide for quality weanling sales especially uh, closed some time ago. Ken Holmes is the local Mount Rat man. He's going to chat to me later about the plan to have cattle back in the ring as soon as possible. Now you'll recall that I featured a piece some months ago about payments for Shannon Callow farmers who lost land and in particular silage ground to the floods last summer. A very welcome payment of €325 per hectare to a max of 15 hectares was announced and it was welcomed. But the payments have not gone smoothly with the mapping system only partially paying farmers and some farmers haven't received any payments at all. Michael Silk is from the Save Our Shannon organisation. They had a big meeting last Monday night in Shannon Bridge and he's going to join me to chat about what is happening now? As always, text or WhatsApp the show with your comments, thoughts, or questions to 083 30 10 103. And to start this evening, as I mentioned, Pat O'Toole from the Irish Farmers Journal. Pat, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem, MJ. Uh, as we have the breaking news about the Chinese uh, allowing Irish uh, beef back into the country, which is excellent stuff, uh, it's obviously on the back of the visit from their Premier and I'm going to have a crack at it. Lee Kwang is what I'm going to go with on this, Pat, so correct me if I'm wrong. What's the significance of this, uh, Pat? Obviously, China, biggest economy in the world, uh, their number two is coming over to us. Uh, we obviously must be in favour with them. Yeah, <clears throat> so back in favour, <clears throat> they moved quite quickly to put a suspension in place when we had 
um, that BSE case back in November. Um, so it's good that it's been lifted quite quickly. It was an atypical case. Um, and I think, you know, the Irish authorities have put all the information in place. <coughs> the cow at the time was 10 and a half years old. Carcass never entered the food chain. So um, I think, it was, you know, it, it, it was <coughs> important, but also correct that we were back in quickly because previously we'd been um, locked out of China from May 2020 up till January 2023. Um to put it in context, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, the Chinese market is massive, as you say. Uh, in 2022, uh, we totaled 722 million in exports. On, I know the beef was restricted at the time, but 722 million of agri-food exports to China. Um, and only a drop in the ocean of the Chinese market and less than 4% of Irish exports in that bumper year. So, you know, it, it is a huge market, but it is on the far side of the world. Um and it's a a less lucrative market uh, at this point in time than the core markets in the European Union and indeed the United Kingdom. Uh, so having said that, it's very important that we keep all options on the table and keep all options open. There has been some kickback today. Um, I saw a negative article in the Irish Times and um, you know, wondering were we putting um, human rights issues behind our desire to sell uh, agri-food products. Um, and I know some politicians were, were sharing that and echoing those comments today. So that that's there. But <coughs> I suppose um, for individual farmers, um, the, the macro politics of these situations are beyond us, uh, for starters. But also there are there are problems in China, there's no doubt about that, but there are problems in many parts of the world. Um, and as an exporting nation, um, we keep our business apart from the politics, I suppose, to a large degree. Uh, and it was very good to have the number two here. It can lead to important things. Back in 2012, the then Deputy Prime Minister uh, came to Ireland and visited farms. And uh, he became the... Uh, President the following year, ten years on, Xi Jinping is still the president of China, the most important politician in China uh, of this generation, and uh, his memories of Ireland are probably helping us um, in, in the round. So, uh, yeah, we've and I suppose the quick reaction we've had today, the IFA were quickly out of the blocks to say that the factories need to respond both in terms of getting product back into China and in terms of lifting factory prices on the back of this uh, important market being reopened. Yeah, uh, not exactly, Pat. As you said, 722 million exports to China back in 2022. And look, it was a bumper year and it was a, a, a drop in the ocean of China of Chinese exports. But it, it still didn't account for a huge, huge amount of hours. We were 16 billion last year. So it shows how big we've become in the last few years. But still, it's significant. There's no question about it. Um, the number two man over uh, in Ireland, uh, obviously he didn't come all this way just to announce that beef was going to go back into uh, the Chinese market. Presumably a lot of other business is going to be done between the uh, Chinese number two and between the Irish government between all the different departments when he's here for his visit there's going to be a lot of meetings and a lot of chats being done and hopefully business being done I presume between the two countries other than agri-food yeah business but also politics um, soft power 
Ireland as an important member of the European Union. Um, we recently are on the Security Council of the United Nations. We have stood strongly with Ukraine. China has um, maintained relations with Russia, uh, unlike Europe. So there's an awful lot on the on the table, and I suppose the geopolitics uh, mightn't have much to do with a farming program on one level, but on the other hand, we've seen the absolute carnage to markets that we had in 2022. Um, luckily, um, I suppose food markets responded, but we saw the cost of inputs go to uh, unsustainable levels off the back of the uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Um, and I think there's a you know we're at a very tense moment at the moment politically. Um, we see we see what's going on in Davos. We see what's going on within the United Nations, the European Court of Human Rights. So um, for China to come to Ireland, um, and for the Prime Minister of China to come to Ireland, um, it, certainly it's important for business, but also for politics. And the two do overlap, I suppose. Um, it's just that for us as farmers, our job is to produce the best food possible. And the hope that Borbia then do a good job marketing it, um, and that Irish food companies gain a, a, a strong foothold. In the long term, I suppose the negative around, um, we saw the ICMSA coming out this week saying that you know Dublin Airport is being treated, and air traffic is being treated preferentially over um, over farming when it comes to the environmental footprint and some of the plans around expansion for Dublin Airport. Sorry, the ICSA, um, but the uh, and and they're right in that. Uh, but the reality is that because of the location of China, we have to either ship or fly food over there, and it, it's costly, um, and it has an environmental footprint which may make it more problematic in the long term. And there's no doubt that our primary markets are the ones close to us, especially for bulky products like beef. Yeah, absolutely. Pat, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme, giving us a rundown of what's been happening over the last couple of days. Thanks, Pat. You're very welcome. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw, Burlington Business Park, Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, moving to a local matter, and that is Mount Rath Mart. It's been closed for a number of years and a group of local people want to try and get it open again. One of those is Ken Holmes from Mount Rat. Ken, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, MJ, and to your listeners. Uh, so, Ken, you're part of a group of farmers in the Mount Rath area who want to get the mart up and running again. Um, it's an ambitious plan, is what I would say, Ken. It's been closed for a number of years. Uh, you want to try and get a bit of support behind it and you have an event coming up where people are going to attend and kind of troubleshoot and chat about it. Uh, do you feel there's enough support, Ken, to get this across the line? Well, we hope so, MJ, as we are holding a meeting on the 1st of February in Bloom headquarters in Mount Rath. It's the old convent hall. And we have it open to all shareholders, businesses and interested interested parties and general public to attend. Uh, yeah, very good, uh, Ken. Look, it's a big loss to the Midlands, no question about it. I said it at the start of the programme. Mount Rath was always known for, look, as well as a, a, a running mark, but the weanling sale. Um, there was always U-grade weanling sales there in the evening time and it attracted people from all over the country. 
given its great location. Look, it'd be a super thing if you could get it back up and running. I remember an issue at the time was the insurance and the prohibitive insurance cost. Uh, is that something you feel you can surmount now at this stage, Ken? We hope so. Anyhow, at the moment there, we are still in talks with the insurance company and uh, it has dropped uh, dramatically at the moment. But uh, we still have a few different things to do and with the help of the local farmers and everyone, yeah, we, we'll get through and hope to open up in the, in the near future. And your event that you want people to pop to, it's Bloom headquarters in Mount Rath, the old convent, as you say. When is that on again? Just give me the date and I'll mention it at the end of the programme again. It's on... Uh, Thursday evening, the 1st of February at 8pm. Thursday evening, 1st of February at 8pm and all are welcome. Presuming you want farmers, maybe local businesses to come and attend, uh, it's going to cost a few pounds to get this up and running. So uh, I suppose you are looking for that. The fundraising element is something you're going to discuss that night. It is indeed. That is the main uh, topic on the night uh, is that as it will cost a good few pounds to get uh, health and safety uh, issues there over the mark and to get a, a budget behind us that we can work forward. Yeah, very good. Well, listen, Ken, you're fully supported here in the programme. I hope to be talking to you in a, in a few months' time when you're telling me about the first sale back in the ring in Mount Rat. It'd be super for not only the people of Leash, but also people of the Midlands. And uh, we wish you well. Fingers crossed you can get it across the line. And we'll speak to you again on the programme. Many thanks, Ken. Thank you very much, MJ. Uh, Ken Holmes there and that event is uh, Thursday it's the 1st of February and uh, Bloom headquarters in Mount Rat it's the old convent so please make your way there if you're interested in that we're moving on to the Shannon Callows and we have Michael Silk from the Save Our Shannon organisation on the line uh, Michael thanks for joining me this evening and uh, Michael, it was uh, good news back a couple of months ago. There was a payment scheme set up for people who lost their winter feed as a result of callow flooding this summer. Uh, but farmers have not been compensated in the way that they initially thought. Can you just uh, tell me what's going on, please, or tell our listeners what's going on, Michael? Well, I suppose going back to initially to the start back in September, around the middle of September, uh, we met uh, um, the tarnished Michael Martin along with Barry Cowan Robert Try and Rabbit and Eugene Murphy down in that lawn. And the Tonish to committed themselves to putting in place a, a scheme for the people who lost their father in the Shannon Callows and lost their raising over what was a very, very difficult summer. So the scheme was announced then back in November. It was a scheme that was, was supposed to pay farmers um, €325 Euros per hectare up to a maximum of 15 hectares where they were flooded over that period, which was the summer period. And what we have found is that the situation with the department was they used the AMS system, which is the Area Monitoring System. It's a satellite system. And it's not shown up and has not shown up apparently the flooding that existed, in the, particularly in the, in the Meadowlands along the Shannon. And there was instances where it was... I suppose two to three feet of water in most of the Meadowland all summer, right from the middle of July until the very end of the year, even at the minute it's flooded in the same way. But this was not shown up because the grass was so high and the system simply was flawed and did not show up. So farmers have been shortchanged very dramatically at the minute. There's at least half of the farmers who've got no money. Some of the farmers that have got money have only got a fraction of what they should have got. So the scheme simply is not working and it's quite as simple as that. 
And uh, what are you looking for, uh, Michael? I suppose, look, you, you want people who, who need to get paid to get paid, but I suppose, how can it be done or what are you calling for exactly? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, farmers have had massive losses. I mean, every farmer that has meadowland in the cattle for sort of, um, hay or silage or whatever, he lost everything. He got nothing from it. Same in the grazing areas, very, very little if anything has gone over so, you know, the scheme was there and was put in place and there was a lot of goodwill, I think, shown by the Tarnish Day in putting that scheme in place. And, you know, we need to get the scheme implemented in the manner and, you know, that it should be implemented where people can at least, you know, get some respite from what are terrible losses. There's a lot of farmers, MJ and Shannon Callows, have lost 30 and 40 grand father over the last summer. And, you know, to be getting no money now or maybe getting a pantry sum like a thousand euros or something, it's just not on. As I said, the maximum payment is 5,800 euros. And the farmers that were entitled are simply not getting it. And there's a lot of farmers, as I said, they're not even being recognised as having been flooded. That's despite the fact, as I said, that there was two to three feet of water on their land over the whole summer. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Michael. It's uh, it's one of those ones where when technology comes into it, uh, it, it really kind of throws throws it up in the air. You know, I know the department are going to blame the systems for it, uh, but it is uh, very like it's very annoying if you were one of these farmers and you thought you were going to get this money, and then suddenly you get you know a, a small amount of it, and you're left scratching your head as to where to go. Uh, you had a big meeting last Monday night, I believe, in Shannon uh, Shannon Bridge. Um, presumably, you had a big turnout. There are a lot of disgruntled farmers as a result of this. Uh, there was a massive turnout, and uh, I mean, we weren't expecting to get anything like what we got. Um, there was upwards of 250 farmers in the room down in Locris and Shannon Bridge. They were packed in like sardines into it, and those people that went away, they didn't even get in. The crowd was that big. So that clearly shows that there's major issues with this scheme, and it's it was brought home very forcibly from the people in the audience just how serious the situation is because it's a disaster situation and, you know, people are suffering a lot financially, you know, mentally and physically, uh, the consequences of the flooding over the summer. And this anomaly at the minute in relation to the AMS system or the eye in the sky, whatever you like to call it, it's just not good enough in this day and age. And I think it's time for, you know, we're looking for the minister at the minute to address the situation and put it right because he simply has to put this right. This is all, it is wrong. It's a major, major injustice to people and it needs to be put right. Very good, Michael. And uh, I echo your sentiments as well. And fingers crossed you can get some uh, movement on this. I want to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme and shedding some light on it for us. Thanks very much, MJ. Uh, Michael Silk there from the Save Our Shannon organisation and uh, a lot of disgruntled landowners in the Shannon Callow region to be told you're going to get money and then to not receive it or to receive a, a, a smaller amount. Uh, very frustrating and fingers crossed something can be done for them. Now coming up after the break we're moving on to sheep. It is the Chagas National Sheep Conference taking place next week. Damien Costello is one of the organising members from Chagas. He's going to speak to us about the calendar of events and then Tim Keady is from Chagas. He's going to talk all about nutrition in advance of lambing so stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands World. 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WOrshaw.ie
And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, as I said before the break, moving on to sheep in advance of the Chagas National Sheep Conference, which takes place next week. We are going to run through the lineup now with uh, one of the men organising it. That's Damien Costello. Damien, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, thanks, MJ. Uh, Damien, you're a busy man because you have the event on in Athlone next uh, Tuesday evening and then your letter Kenny later in the week. Same timetable, we're going to concentrate on the Athlone timetable here, obviously, uh, given proximity to our listeners. And uh, it's a, a busy lineup uh, for the evening. You're also running it as an evening event. So look, sheep farmers in general are part-time farmers. Uh, they're not going to have to take any time off work. They're going to be able to uh, attend. That was a conscious decision, I presume, Damien. That's right, yeah. yeah. Seven o'clock in the evening, it's kicking off uh, next Tuesday, as you said, the 23rd in the Athlone Springs Hotel, which is on the the old Shome Road out of Athlone, a lot of people will know it. Uh, you have a busy lineup, um, Damien. Always these events have uh, have a number of speakers on on different areas. I'm going to be talking to Tim in a moment uh, about nutrition during pregnancy. But I also see you have a, a simplifying farm transfers. That's an interesting one. You have Martin Clark there from IFAC. Uh, then you're diagnosing and managing flock health issues on farm experiences. You have Darren Carty down from the Irish Farmers Journal. You have uh, sheep farmers from Leitrim, from Wicklow, from Wexford. Uh, it's a busy, busy evening and uh, something to be got for all attendees. There is indeed, yeah. Um, as you say, Tim is kicking the, the, the uh, proceedings off um, with the paper on, on nutrition during pregnancy. Um, you know, good good management practices and I suppose the consequences of, of getting, it, getting it right or getting it wrong, if you like. Um, you know, it's a timely one as well in that um, you know, a lot of uh, people, marsh lemming flocks, uh, they still have time to, to get their, their late pregnancy nutrition right. So um, it is a very good one. Um, the second paper then in the first session is Martin Clark. Um, he's from IFAC. And again, I suppose it's not specific to, to sheep farmers, even though I suppose it's fair to say that the age profile of sheep farmers is, 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 is relatively high. Um, so it's relevant to all farm farmers really and he's looking at the whole area of farm transfers and succession planning and there'll be lots of tips on the, the challenges that are there including you know the tax implications and putting a plan in place for succession and also hi- highlighting some of the, the, the hidden issues. And I suppose the second part of the, the uh or the, the second session if you like in the in the conference is focusing on flock health. And so we'll have um uh, veterinary surgeon Seamus Fagan, uh, who works out of the regional veterinary lab in Athlone, he'll be outlining the types of uh, health issues that he and his colleagues are uh, encountering from sheep farms. And we're going to tie that in with a, a panel discussion, as you say, um, chaired by Darren Carty from the, the Farmers Journal. And we're delighted then to be joined by three farmers um, from different parts of the country, and they're going to outline case studies of, of flock health issues uh, that they've encountered. Uh, so we have John O'Connell from Leitrim, Paddy Dunn from Wicklow and Brian Keane. Um, and, you know, the, the flock health issues on a, on a farm can be stressful. Um, and we're, we're very grateful that, that farmers are willing to share their, their on-farm experiences. And they'll be outlining then how they engage with, with the likes of Seamus in the regional veterinary lab to, to diagnose the issue in the first place. And then how they, they put a plan in place to, to manage and deal with these issues. Yeah, very good, uh, Damien. And as you say, the papers can be applied to all areas of agriculture, the farm, the transfer, 
it doesn't matter if you're a sheep farmer, dairy farmer, beef farmer. Uh, also, Tim's uh, paper on nutrition during pregnancy. Again, this time of the year, uh, beef farmers, dairy farmers, sheep farmers, all in advance of the lambing or calving season. So there can be pieces mm-hmm. taken from that. And uh, I always like to see when, look, you have your uh, debate, but you have panellists, you have sheep farmers on the panel. I think it's always important, uh, Damien, with an event like this, if you can have a farmer or two at it, it kind of normalises and, and brings it back to earth for the attendees to see someone up on the stage talking about what they're doing and they can relate to it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, we're grateful to the farmers for, for partaking in the event. And, you know, it, it does it does, it does, does make it uh, that, that bit more... Um, more realistic uh, or more authentic, I suppose, for people if they can actually hear the, the, the on-farm experiences from, from, from sheep farmers. Yeah, the important thing is as well, there's no charge for attending and booking's not required, so farmers can just make their way to the Athlone Springs Hotel for 7pm sharp next Tuesday. Damien, I'm going to move across to Tim and he's going to have a word with us about his paper. So I'm going to say many thanks for joining me, uh, Damien, and uh, over at Pop. Thanks yourself, MJ. Thanks for having me on. Uh, more than welcome, Damien. Over at Pop to Tim, Tim Keady is talking about uh, nutrition pre-lambing. Uh, Tim, obviously a, a hugely important area. Uh, is it one that uh, sometimes can be glossed over a little by farmers and uh, they don't put maybe just enough thought into it? Uh, good evening, MJ. Yes, it can be glossed over because at this time of the year, it's a relatively tranquil uh, time of the year, particularly in sheep houses. There's not a lot of work going on. But at this time of the year, the sheep is in late pregnancy. And during late pregnancy, big changes to occur. For example, during the last six weeks, the weight of the fetuses will increase by 70%. So if you take the weight, the birth weight of a single being six kilos, during the last six weeks, it'll actually put on four kilos. Uh, a a yoga giving birth to a single will have, a, will have six kilos of lamb to produce. A twin will have about 11 kilos of lamb produced. And a tr- one giving birth to three lambs will have about 14 kilos of lamb produces. So as you can see, during the last six weeks, there's rapid growth. That means there's going to be rapid requirements for energy and for protein. And the data clearly shows that during late pregnancy that the uh, energy requirements increases by 60%. So, for example, if you take a Leo producing twin lambs six weeks out for lamb and she only needs 14 megajoules of energy per day, but a week out from lamb and she needs 22. And there's also a massive increase for protein requirement, and we call it metabolizable protein, and that increases by 40%. So again, if you take a twin berry in your uh, six weeks out from lamb and she needs about 110 grams per day, but the week before lamb and she needs 153 grams per day. So the, the aim or the target is to do your best to try and meet the requirements for what's for the growing fetus. Also, during the last six weeks, you want to try and maintain your body condition because if she's conditioned, she can milk off her back and grow her lambs faster. And the other thing is you want to have good colostrum production because you need a high intake of colostrum to help develop passive immunity in the newborn lamb. The uh, interesting figures there, um, Tim, as you are mentioning, uh, six kilos of lamb for single, 11 kilos of lamb for a double. When you talk about it like that, it is a huge energy requirement uh, that the O needs for that final push. One area you're going to be talking about is that of concentrate and the level of protein. I asked you this earlier, I was talking to you for a moment, and I said, what percentage protein do you like in these concentrates? And uh, I was interested at the, at the level you responded with. Um, can you tell listeners what you, what you push uh, towards the end of pregnancy? Yeah, well, for the last six weeks of pregnancy, when we go in with concentrate, some people ask what's the optimum level of crude protein. And as most sheep farms in Ireland would have about 80 or 90 sheep, I think one concentrate is enough to order and to feed. 
and I would opt for a 19% crude protein concentrate. And the reason I say that is that six weeks out from lambing, you're only feeding about 0.3 of a kilo when the, the requirements are beginning to build up. And the two, two, or, two and one week out from lambing, you're up at 0.8 or one of a kilo when the requirements are really there for increasing the metabolizable protein. So our target is a 19% crude protein uh, concentrate. But it's also important that you just don't look at the crude protein content of the concentrate, that you look at the ingredient composition. And ideally, you would buy a concentrate that has formulated using top ingredients for energy, fiber, and protein. And as far as I'm concerned, the top uh, ingredients for energy would be maize followed by barley. Uh, for fiber at the moment, it's, uh, it's soya hulls followed by sugar beet because of relative value for money. And from a protein point of view, you'd be talking about soya, uh, rapeseed and maybe a small bit of distillers, but you have to be careful with the, uh, some of these byproduct protein sources because there could be some to- copper toxicity coming in, for example, through some forms of distillers. Uh, you also want to have a bypass protein or a rumen, under, a digestible undegradable protein that will pa- bypass digestion within the rumen into the small intestine. And the best source of that that we have at the moment is soybean meal. The reason I say that, MJ, is that a few years ago we did an experiment where we compared uh, two concentrates that we formulated, uh, the same crude protein content, the same ME content. The protein sources were different in that in one concentrate the protein came predominantly from soya, and in the second concentrate the protein came predominantly from rapeseed, uh, corn, gluten, and maize distillers. And when we fed these concentrates to the yo's, to cut a long story short, the yo's were fed the soy-based concentrate produced lambs were 0.3 kilos heavier at birth and were 0.6 of a kilo heavier at weaning. And another, way, another response that we got was that the response in terms of lamb birth weight and growth from yo's that were offered 16 kilos of the soy-based concentrate in late pregnancy was equivalent to the response obtained from the byproduct concentrate where the yo's received 28 kilos. Well, one thing I'll say, Tim, is you definitely know your stuff in relation to it. Uh, you're going to give a very interesting paper uh, for it uh, next week. And uh, another one of your stats is up in front of me here. 58% of lamb mortality occurs in 24 hours of be- uh, birth. That's a stark one as well, something you're going to be speaking about. Uh, Tim, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me. Uh, just a little synopsis of what you're going to be talking about next Tuesday night. But uh, really interesting for uh, sheep farmers, no doubt. Many thanks, Tim. Thanks, Ben, Thank you very much. Uh, Tim Keady there from Chagas talking about his paper that he's going to be delivering next Tuesday night at the Athlone Springs at the National Sheep Conference. So if you're a sheep farmer and you are in that area or that uh, proximity, uh, by all means, make your way to the Athlone Springs next Tuesday and it's free. It'll only be on a couple of hours and all of these events, you will get something from them that you didn't have before you entered. There's no question about that. And now, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about TAMS. Did you make a TAMS application in 2023? Are you scratching your head wondering what's going on? Uh, I was one of those farmers. I was scratching my head because I made a TAMS one for solar and uh, I received nothing, didn't hear anything. And I happened to go on my ag food today because uh, John Curran, who's coming on uh, now in a minute, uh, was going to be speaking this evening and lo and behold I did get corons- correspondence but it was on ag food only it was online I got no uh, letter through the post so obviously I'm not on my ag food every day checking this up and uh, I thought it was an unfortunate way to make contact with a farmer because no farmer is going to be in under ag food on a daily basis and uh, that's one of the things I want to flag to you all now if you've made a TAMS application uh, tip into your ag food or get your farm advisor to go into your ag food and see if there's any correspondence sent to you because sometimes you only have 10 days to re- reply to this correspondence now 
look, if you get it on ag food, I'm, I'm not sure the validity of a 10-day um, time period or time lapse on it if a letter hasn't been sent to you, but that's what it says. Uh, so just be cognizant of that. I'm going to talk about uh, the percentage of people who receive letters and how many people uh, got the go-ahead with John in just a moment, so stay tuned. Country Life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie. You're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. And as I said before the break, moving on to TAMS for the next few minutes, I have John Curran, Rural Development Chair of the IFA on the line. John, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, good evening, MJ. Uh, John, congratulations on your new role. You were in charge of organics there in the IFA and you've moved across to Rural Development Chair. People will know you've been on the uh, program with me uh, a couple of times before in your uh, guise as organics and uh, you're up there on the Mead Westmead border so look you're going to be a busy man now in charge of rural development in the IFA given the delays and the, I suppose the whole rigmarole with Tam's tree people had made applications as early as mid-March in 2023 and they hadn't heard anything up until Christmas time. It's really, really dragging out. Figure here from the Irish Farmers Journal, 21% of TAMS tree applications receive approval letters. So one in five roughly have been approved. That's as of uh, the 15th of January, so as of Monday of this week. It's uh, it's very lethargic, John, this whole TAMS tree. It's really taken a long time. Yeah, well, as you have said, uh, MJ, I was uh, previously... Um, Chair of the organic project team like an IFA and like for two years, so that went really well with the big increase in organic. So I got the opportunity to go for rural development chairman, which is a broader brief, uh, covers like most of the schemes, all the pillar two funding, anything really to do with rural uh, development. Uh, it covers the GNC, the Acres Environmental Scheme, CAMS, and even out as far as leader funding. So it is a very important job. And a, a job I'm, I'm looking forward to. So, but um, as you said, the up to now, the Tams Tree opened last March, and basically for the uh, all of 2023, Tams was a non-event. Like there was no approvals given, and Tranche One closed in late July, and Tranche Two opened immediately, and that it's still open for applications, which uh, closed this week, like January the 19th. So uh, there's two tranches, you could say, in 12 months, like fully completed or fully applied for. And uh, to date, roughly the 20% have been approved. Now, most of them approvals have happened in the last two to three weeks. So the department seem to be getting stuck into them now. They seem to be getting like, approvals out. Um, the, the job of work that we have like an IFA now is to keep the pressure on that the that tranche one is cleared as quickly as possible and they get into tranche two then and get that cleared so work can they commence in 2024 and bring it up to date because like effectively TAMS is 12 months behind like at this stage. I suppose the fact that TAMS was broken down into 10 different schemes left it difficult for my department like to walk through them and to say that they had IT issues and lack of staff but I suppose like setting up 10 like, different schemes is a job in itself so hopefully uh, they're ready to roll now and keep the approvals coming out as fast as they can 
Yeah, as you said, uh, John, the department don't like to make things easy on themselves and there was a real raft of different areas you could have applied. There was solar and there was um, animal welfare, nutrient storage, there was uh, pig and poultry, there was farm capital investment. Um, I suppose it's uh, it's one of those ones. If you are a farmer, uh, John, you haven't heard anything back. Now, I was one of these farmers, went on to my ag food today, I applied for uh, something under the solar, went on to ag food today and I saw that there was correspondence sent to me uh, solely on ag food and there wasn't a physical letter sent out to me. Now, I don't be on my ag food every day. Um, you might pop onto it once a fortnight or whatnot. So I suppose that's yeah. something I'm saying from experience today and flagging it to farmers that if you have made an application, go in on your ag food and under where you made your application, see if there's any correspondence coming back from the department because you mightn't have got a physical letter because I, I didn't receive one. And that's that's an important one for farmers as well. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, true, MJ, and that's the way it's gone, Nicola. All these schemes now, you apply through AgFood online and the only correspondence that you will get back is online, whether that's a direct to yourself or through your planner, but they, but they come through the online facility and you, and you won't get like a letter in the post anymore. That's one of the probably new things that farmers have to get like adjusted to, that you really need to be checking your AgFood account now every week because mm. you don't know what the correspondence is is coming up. A lot of uh, say the annoyance that farmers have is that they don't know, say even in like the late payments, that they didn't know like what the reason was if their payments was coming and in some cases they were up and egg food for some time but they didn't realise so it's all a kind of a learning process that the kind of the old system like the text message is gone. It's all online now. Yeah, Darren Carty was on from the Farmer's Journal just before Christmas. Uh, John, I think I thought he made a very good point. He said that, look, everything's gone electronic, but if there is a hold up with a payment, say, for example, you're in the... Um uh, the skip uh, scheme and you didn't receive your payment that really it sh- you should be able to log into your ag food click a button and it should say you we're still awaiting genotype samples or whatever the issue is that's stopping the payment and I think that's something that we need to get to if correspondence is going to come through ag food perfect on one side but also yeah. we need to get information from it as well if there's a delay on a payment I, th- I thought it was a very good point he made Well that has you know it's not much use unless it's kept like, up to date but um at the fact that there's 23 different schemes now, and when you go into ag food, it's like a minefield. Mm. Like a lot of farmers could be in eight or ten different schemes, and you know it's really a full-time job keeping an eye and checking on. I tried to upload a, a lime. Uh, yeah, I tried to upload a lime uh, docket for the lime scheme for a farmer back before Christmas, uh, John. I'd be fairly tech okay now with stuff like that. I must have been mm. on it for uh, 45 or 50 minutes trying to find where in God's name you had to actually upload the the, the document. I eventually found it, but I said to myself, if it was an older farmer, someone who wasn't familiar with it, not a hope would you, would you ever find it. But look, there, there are probably issues for other days. Um, John, I'm going to say many thanks for, we're just out of time, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me this evening giving us a rundown on the TAMS um, flagging that that you have to check over your ag food if you're not familiar with that get your uh, Chagas advisor or your um, agri advisor to do it for you and uh, hopefully you're going to get some notification on your TAMS application John I'll be speaking to you again on the programme about different schemes and whatnot as the year progresses so many thanks for joining me and congratulations on your new position Yeah. OK thanks MJ uh, John Curran there, Rural Development Chair from the IFA. That is it for this evening's programme, uh, folks. Many thanks for joining me here over the course of the last hour. Busy, busy show as always. We started off the hour speaking to Pat O'Toole from the Irish Farmers Journal with that breaking news 
that Irish beef has now been allowed into China. Uh, we moved on then and we spoke with Michael Silk from the Save Our Shannon organisation about callow farmers who are not happy about the payments that have been made under that callow uh, fund that was uh, released during summer. Ken Holmes from Mount Rat hopes to get Mount Rat Mart back up and running in the not too distant future. If you're interested in that, there is a meeting tomorrow fortnight it's in the Bloom headquarters of Mount Rat, the old convent, taking place on Thursday, 1st of February. And wouldn't that be great if Mount Rat Mart got back up and running? Damien Costello from Chagas and Tim Keady from Chagas spoke about the sheep event, which is taking place next Tuesday evening in the Athlone Springs. And John Curran there from the IFA spoke to us about TAMS in his new position as the Rural Development Chair. That's it for this evening. I'm going to say many thanks for joining me. I'll be back with you in seven days' time. As always, show will be repeated Sunday morning, 7am until 8am. Uh, if you want to listen where you get your podcast, type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y, and listen at your leisure. I'll talk to you in seven days. Good night and God bless. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. Orshaw.ie